Hi, I'm Sydney, and you're listening to Let It Simmer. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Let It Simmer. I'm your host, Sydney, and today we're going to be talking about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. So I feel like this is a book that's been very circulated around social media. I know one of the influencers that I like, she bought it, I believe she read it. It says on the cover that over 3 million copies have been sold. It's an book about an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. The kind of tagline of the book is tiny changes, remarkable results, and it's a number one New York Times bestseller. So I'll read you what it says on the back. No matter your goals, Atomic Habits offers a proven framework for getting 1% better every day. James Clear, one of the world's leading experts on habit formation, reveals practical strategies that will teach you exactly how to master the tiny behaviors that lead to remarkable results. If you're having trouble changing your habits, the problem isn't you. The problem is your system. Bad habits repeat themselves not because you don't want to change, but because you have the wrong system for change. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. In Atomic Habits, you'll get a plan that can take you to new heights. Clear is known for his ability to distill complex topics into simple behaviors that can be readily applied to daily life and work. Here he draws on ideas from biology, psychology, and neuroscience to create an easy-to-understand guide for making good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible. Along the way, readers will be inspired and entertained with true stories from Olympic gold medalists, award-winning artists, business leaders, life-saving physicians, and star comedians who have used the science of small habits to vault to the top of their fields. Atomic Habits will reshape the way you think about progress and give you the tools and techniques you need to transform your habits. Whether you're an athlete looking to win a championship, a leading leader hoping to optimize an organization, or an individual who wishes to quit smoking, lose weight, reduce stress, and achieve success that lasts. It must still be a fairly new book because I could only get it in hardcover. I got it for $11 on Amazon. I'll read what it says about the author. James Clear is an author and speaker focused on habits, decision-making, and continuous improvement. His work has appeared in the New York Times, Time, an entrepreneur, and on CBS This Morning. His website receives millions of visitors each month and hundreds of thousands subscribers, and hundreds of thousands subscribe to his popular email newsletter. He's a regular speaker at Fortune 500 companies, and his work is used by teams in the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Through his online course, The Habits Academy, and Clear has taught more than 10,000 leaders, managers, coaches, and teachers. The Habits Academy is the premier training platform for individuals and organizations that are interested in building better habits in life and work. Clear is an avid weightlifter and photographer. He lives with his wife in Columbus, Ohio. So it was published um, by Avery, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. And so I'm basically just going to take you through it, kind of summarize it. Um kind of give you whether I think it's worth reading or like getting for yourself and reading. So basically the contents of the book, it starts with three chapters on the fundamentals. So why tiny changes make a big difference. And then there are four chapters on the first law, which is make it obvious. Three on the second law, which is make it attractive. Four on the third law, which is make it easy. And three on the fourth law, which is make it satisfying. And then the book transitions into the section they call Advanced Tactics, How to Go from Being Merely Good to Being Truly Great, which has three chapters, then a conclusion, then an appendix. 
also, it also has an introduction, which is really interesting. Basically, he, the author, got hit in the face with a baseball bat, and it was a life-threatening injury, had to be flown to a hospital on a helicopter, etc., etc. Obviously, he lived, and then kind of used the setback that that was to his baseball career to kind of set these habits, or begin this habit journey that has led him to read uh, that has led him to write this book so it was really an interesting story so the first chapter is the surprising power of atomic habits and i think so i kind of found what i thought was the chapter just in each chapter so i'll read that to you um i think yes okay making a choice that is one percent better or 1% worse seems insignificant in the moment, but over the span of moments that make up a lifetime, these choices determine the difference between who you are and who you could be. Success is the product of daily habits, not a once-in-a-lifetime transformation. So that's kind of the chapter gist of chapter one. And of course, he gives examples of kind of the moral of each chapter. So obviously he has examples for what I just said. Um, another kind of chapter just, I determined from the first one is that similarly habits often appear to make no difference until you cross a critical threshold and unlock new level of performance. And one final kind of chapter just I got was goals are about the results you want to achieve. Systems are about the processes that lead to those results. So I feel that pretty much the entire chapter can be summed up with those three sentences really. And then at the end of each chapter, he offers a summary. And so the kind of ones I starred were small changes often appear to make no difference until you cross a critical threshold. And if you are, if you want better results, then forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. So kind of, like I mentioned before, things that already mentioned in the chapter just that I found. So chapter two is how your habits shape your identity and vice versa. So basically... The chapter gist of this one is that in order for something to become a habit, it has to become part of your identity. And it specifically says, it's one thing to say, I'm the type of person who wants this. It's something very different to say, I'm the type of person who is this. So it's kind of like, I am a runner instead of, I want to run or like specifically his examples all are the goal is not to read a book, the goal is to become a reader. The goal is not to run a marathon, the goal is to become a runner. So I actually did find that pretty interesting because I think that having those sort of facets tied to our identity, like I would also consider myself to be a reader. That's why I want to read books. Um, I want to become a runner. So I need to make that more part of my identity rather than just going for a run every once in a blue moon. So that part did make a lot of sense to me and just essentially you have to make something a part of your identity for it to become a habit so chapter three is how to build better habits in four simple steps and pretty much at the start of every chapter he gives like a specific example of a specific person at a specific time so for example the start of chapter three is in 1898 a psychologist named edward thorndike Conducted an experiment that would lay the foundation for our understanding of how habits form, blah, blah, blah. So basically, every single chapter just starts with a time, a person, and kind of what they did and how that 
eventually that connects to what is in the rest of the chapter. But the chapter gist for this one is behaviors followed by satisfying consequences tend to be repeated and those that produce unpleasant consequences are less likely to be repeated. So I feel like that's simple enough to understand. And this chapter basically just starts to cover the, I guess it's psychological aspect of a habit or kind of the psychological aspect of why we do things that we do. So it's basically cue, craving, response, reward, and then repeat. So that's just kind of the cycle that we're always living in. And then that transitions to the first law, which I believe is essentially cue. But chapter four is the man who didn't look right. And that was actually interesting. So the story that kind of ties into that chapter title is that a woman worked as a nurse and she went to, I guess, a family gathering and she took one look at her father-in-law and was like, I don't like the way you look. You need to go to the hospital right now. And he's like, obviously like, oh, I feel fine. What are you talking about? But she was right. He was about to have a heart attack and they got into the hospital in time and so he was fine. But just kind of that instinct to like know was pretty crazy. But that entire story gave me Malcolm Gladwell vibes specifically with the book Blink. I feel like there is a very similar story to that one in Blink. And then there's like another, just kind of all the examples just kind of give me those vibes. So if you like that book, then you probably would like this one as well. And then let's see. So basically the chapter gist of this one is that the process of behavior change always starts with awareness. You need to be aware of your habits before you can change them. So yeah, I don't know, kind of knowing what that cue is. And then chapter five, the best way to start a new habit. So the chapter gist is that the sentence they filled out is what Reacher's referred to as an implement implement oh my gosh i can't speak implementation intention which is a plan you make beforehand about when to act so basically this is just a person needs to say i will do this behavior at this time in this location if they actually want to do it and see it through which i think is pretty accurate people do need to do that to kind of have that leg up otherwise Things can get bogged down by the details and you don't end up doing it. Another kind of aspect that this chapter goes into is that once you have mastered this basic structure, you can begin to create larger stacks by chaining small habits together. This allows you to take advantage of the natural momentum that comes from one behavior leading into the next. So basically, he calls it habit stacking, which is essentially like, once I do this, then I will do this. And then once I do that, I will do this. So just kind of like all these good habits over and over and over and over again. So for an example that he gives towards healthy eating, when I serve myself a meal, I will always put vegetables on my plate first. So yeah, I mean, good information to have. Nothing too groundbreaking, I guess. So chapter six is motivation is overrated. Environment often matters more. And so the kind of gist of this chapter is that your habits change depending on the room you're in and the cues in front of you. 
That is my dog. So basically, an example of this is you're probably not gonna read that book you've been trying to read if it's on the bookshelf in the other room. But you probably will read that book if it's right next to your, or if it's like on your pillow and you want to read right before bed. So just kind of setting yourself up for success. Chapter seven is the secret to self-control. And this kind of talks about remove a single cue and the entire habit often fades away. So that was kind of, so the last chapter of each section, at least for the four laws, is kind of the reversal of the law, I guess. So basically, this one is about bad habits, how to get rid of a bad habit. So by removing the cue that like signals the bad habit, then oftentimes it will go away in its entirety. So, for example, if you're wasting too much time watching television, move the TV out of the bedroom. So just kind of elimination. If you're on social media too much, delete the app, etc., etc. So that moves us into the second law, make it attractive, starting with chapter 8, how to make a habit irresistible, which kind of details that they exaggerate features that are naturally attractive to us and our instincts go wild as a result driving us into excessive habits. So that's kind of what this one is talking about, like why why some of our habits are so bad and then how to use that to kind of benefit ourselves. So one example that they gave was that ABC used to have a TGIT, which was, thank goodness it's Thursday, where they just had three shows that were very popular, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder, back to back to back. And so ABC's kind of marketing was to not only have people watch this, but also to get them to make popcorn, drink wood wine, and enjoy the evening. So kind of putting those all together made people not just want to watch the TV show, but it was more, I want to make popcorn and drink wine. Oh, and I can do this all evening and entertain myself by watching these shows. So definitely a good kind of marketing technique. So there are kind of like these business aspects that you can pick up in this book. Which makes it interesting if you kind of like to look at things from a business standpoint. And then chapter 9 is the role of family and friends in shaping your habits. So I feel like we all kind of know that people in our lives also affect our habits a lot. But one of the most effective things you can do to build better habits is to join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. I feel like we know that. Most people know that. Or at least are encouraged to seek people out that are better than yourself or something you want to be because you tend to adapt to your most immediate environment. So find friends that are something that you admire I think that's not new news, but I think that this chapter kind of shapes it in a way that's really easy to understand and kind of adds new perspectives, such as when changing your habit means challenging the tribe, change is unattractive. When changing your habit means fitting in with the tribe, change is very attractive. So just once again, kind of honing in on that notion of 
fitting in, I guess, is oftentimes what we try to do with our friends. And I will say that something I found without throughout this entire book is that it's very repetitive. Like a lot of the chapters kind of say the same thing, say the same sentiment in different words throughout the chapter and that's done throughout the book. And so that can get kind of annoying if you just don't like repetitive things. But I also kind of see it as a useful tactic because the author's trying to get these ideas and notions kind of stuck in your head and framing them in multiple ways and saying them multiple times throughout a chapter can help that stick into your brain. Obviously, repetition is key to getting to remember things. And so I think that's kind of why he employs that tactic throughout. But it can get a little repetitive and old. Chapter 10 is how to find and fix the causes of your bad habits. So I think that this is kind of the reversal of the law. So again, I wrote in the margins, blink vibes, to this all happens in an instant, but plays a crucial role in your habits because every action is preceded by, by a prediction. So there are definitely a few chapters in this book that completely just reminded me of the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. trying to find my chapter gist. I guess the chapter gist for this is just to make it unattractive. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really write anything specific for what I kind of got from this chapter. Yeah. Oh well. It's basically just reframe your mindset, highlight the benefits of avoiding your bad habits. So make it unattractive if you want to break the habit. So this transitions the book into the third wall, which I feel like is about halfway through it, which is make it easy. So chapter 11 is walk slowly, but never backward. And so when you're in motion, you're planning and strategizing and learning. Those are all good things, but they don't produce a result. Action, on the other hand, is the type of behavior that will deliver an outcome. So that's basically the chapter gist, and it kind of talks about how, and I've seen this a lot, my friends in college would do this a lot, it's like, you plan, and you talk about it, and you may do it, but you don't want to advertise it because you want it to be perfect, and I kind of never understood that thinking. I mean, I understand it, but I never adhered to it, because, I mean, it's never going to be perfect, nothing's ever going to just bless you uh nothing's ever just gonna work out exactly how you envision it in your head so don't get bogged down and wait for things to happen because you're waiting for that perfect moment and i think this chapter kind of covers that in its entirety chapter 12 is the law of least effort and it gives a really interesting agriculture example of how agriculture spread a lot faster in European and Asian countries because they have an east-west orientation, whereas North America, South America, Africa have a north-south orientation. In turn, we have a lot of different climates. It's a lot easier for agriculture to spread when it's among the same climate, which is the case with an east-west orientation. So that was just an interesting example. But the chapter just for this is that living in an environment designed to make the good behaviors easier and the bad behaviors harder is a good thing. And just like imagine how 
impactful that can be over time. So some of the things I marked in the chapter summary was reduce the friction associated with good behaviors. When friction is low, habits are easy. And then increase the friction associated with bad behaviors. When friction is high, habits are difficult. Chapter 13 is how to stop procrastinating by using the two-minute rule, which I originally thought that I knew what this chapter was going to be about. I kind of thought that it was going to talk about if you can do something in under two minutes, like, just do it. So, if you're kind of like, oh, I don't really want to put my dishes from the sink to the dishwasher, but it can take you under two minutes, like, just do it. Anything you could do under two minutes, just always do it. And I found that tip on social media and I actually really like it but that was not really what this chapter was talking about this chapter was more about what you want is a gateway habit that naturally leads you down a more productive path so kind of seeing it as a spectrum from very easy to very hard so say you want to run a 5k that's hard obviously um, the habit, the two-minute rule habit that you would do is to put on your running shoes. That's all you have to do. But then eventually, you'll kind of start working up to running that 5K by starting with the running shoes, then walking 10 minutes, then walking 10,000 steps, then running the 5K. So just kind of like these gateway habits. And then another chapter just I kind of noted was that we rarely think about change this way because everyone is consumed by the angle. But one push-up is better than not exercising. One minute of guitar practice is better than none at all. One minute of reading is better than never picking up a book. It's better to do less than you hope than to do nothing at all. And chapter 14 is how to make good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible. So this is kind of the reversal of the habit rule. And the chapter gist is that commitment devices increase the odds that you'll do the right thing in the future by making bad habits difficult in the present. So I guess trying to find an example of this. Basically, a commitment device just is a choice that makes that you make in the present that walks in better behavior in the future. So I definitely know there's a good example somewhere in here. But I can't find it. So he gives an example. Whenever I'm looking to cut calories, for example, I will ask the waiter to split my meal and box half of it to go before the meal is served. And he does this because he believes that if he waited for the meal to come out and just kind of told himself that he would do that, he'd just end up eating the entire thing. So that is kind of the final section of the third law and that transitions transitions us into the fourth law which is make it satisfying chapter 15 the cardinal rule of behavior change and the chapter gist of this is we're not looking for just any type of satisfaction we are looking for immediate satisfaction so basically there's a difference between immediate satisfaction and delayed satisfaction and we kind of need that immediate satisfaction and he goes into a bunch of reasons that are more primal, like that is just how we are wired all the way back to caveman days. But another chapter just I found is that the best approach is to use reinforcement, which refers to the process of using an immediate reward to increase the rate of behavior. So 
if you are trying to mm, eat out less or stop. Yeah, basically the example they give is you want to stop eating out. You want to start cooking more with a spouse or with a friend or whatever. Then what you could do is label a savings account trip to Europe, and then whenever you wanted to go out and then didn't, you move $50 into that account because that's how much you would have spent if you had gone out, but then you stayed home, ate something cheaper, and then at the end of the year, you have a probably decent amount of money to spend towards a trip to Europe because you've been saving for that. So that one did make sense to me. Kind of finding ways to make everything immediate and quick because we need that. And chapter 16 is how to stick with good habits every day. And I think the most beneficial thing that I got from this chapter is just never miss twice. So life gets in the way. We're busy. We're not perfect. Say you miss a workout one day. Just don't miss it twice. So if you miss it once, you just have to work out the next day. And I think that's pretty beneficial kind of mindset to go about life. Chapter 17 is how an accountability partner can change everything. This chapter I wasn't super into. It kind of talks about a habit contract and how one of his readers, I think of his newsletter, did this. And he made it very official. Like, actually had people sign it. He signed it. Laid out everything. Etc. Etc. Including his punishment if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do such as giving his personal trainer $200 if he misses one day of logging food that was the example um I think that this can be beneficial but I don't know I also think it just kind of depends on the person I think these are pretty extreme examples that he gives in the book that most people wouldn't want to do so that chapter wasn't the best in my opinion And so then that is the four sections kind of summarized there. And then the book transitions into advanced tactics, how to go from being merely good to being truly great. So chapter 18 starts with the truth about talent, when genes matter and when they don't. So it gives two examples of Michael Phelps and Hicham L. Groh. Did not say that right. But both Olympic athletes both did extremely well in their Mike Phelps obviously did extremely well. Also, Hicham was a runner. He did good in his field. But then, if you were to reverse them in their sports, each would respectively do bad because their genetic build isn't made for their respective sport. So, Michael Phelps was obviously genetically made to swim. Hicham was genetically made to run. And you switch up the, their sports, they're just not gen- genetically... Michael Phelps is not genetically made to run. And vice versa. So I think that was interesting. And what I found that I like the most about this chapter is that one of his footnotes, and he has a lot of footnotes that kind of say if you're interested in learning more or finding an example, then go to atomichabits.com slash whatever. And I didn't really enjoy that throughout most of the book. It just kind of seemed like added information that was either unnecessary because he clearly didn't put it in the book or just kind of like extra. So I wasn't the biggest fan of that. But what I did like is that on page 222, he has a footnote 
that says if you're interested in taking a person personality test, you can find links to the most reliable tests here at atomichabits.com slash personality. And I did. I took, like, three of them because I do find personality tests very interesting. So I thought that was cool. Just kind of, like, learning more about yourself. It's going to help you because, like, you can specialize your talents and your skills and what works for you into things that are meant to, like, bolster your talents. And so kind of the summary is one of the best ways to ensure your habits remain satisfying over the long run is to pick behaviors that align with your personality and skills. Work hard on things that come easy. So basically, I am meant to write. I am meant to edit. Those are things that I enjoy. Those are things that I find that I'm good at versus my friends who are right now in finance. I think it's interesting. I wouldn't want to do it for a long time or my friend who works as an EMT. Uh, that is not what is meant for me, but she's really good at it. She's good at thinking on her feet, and she likes the human body, anatomy, all that good stuff. So, and I don't think she would like my job as much. So, you know, just find what you like. It's very normal. We're all made different. Chapter 19 is the Goldilocks rule, how to stay motivated in life and work. I did like this chapter just because I think humans constantly seek a state of homeostasis. Like, everything just needs to be balanced. And so basically, that's kind of what I was talking about, because some of the biggest problems towards losing motivation, etc., etc., is that you get bored, and so basically you have to fall in love with that boredom, you have to like, like what you do so much that that boredom is just a part of it, and that you're okay with it, and that you can power through it. So the only way to become excellent is to be endlessly fascinated by doing the same thing over and over. You have to fall in love with boredom. So that was kind of the main thing about that chapter. And that's actually really good advice. Chapter 20 is the downside of creating good habits. I guess the chapter just was that a lack of self-awareness is poison. Reflection review is the antidote. Basically, you have to just keep going back, making sure you're on the right track. Eh, I don't really think that chapter was that groundbreaking. And then the conclusion, the secret to results that last. Basically, I like the ending of it, which was just kind of the overall ending of the book, so I'll read that out. It's remarkable what you can build if you just don't stop. It's remarkable the business you can build if you don't stop working. It's remarkable the body you can build if you don't stop training. It's remarkable the knowledge you can build if you don't stop learning. It's remarkable the fortune you can build if you don't stop saving. It's remarkable the friendships you can build if you don't stop caring. Small habits don't add up. They compound. That's the power of atomic habits. Tiny changes, remarkable results. So again, that tagline. I just know. I think it just kind of framed the entirety of everything that I just read in a really satisfying way. And also a motivational way. Kind of like, this is what you can all achieve. You just have to, you know, have good habits. So the appendix kind of has, again, this is what I kind of just mentioned is if you want to learn more, like, so what should you read next? It doesn't actually say what you should read next. It says that you should sign up for his newsletter. Um, it does do life lessons from the four laws and then just kind of has things bolded such as it is the idea of pleasure that we chase or emotion drive behavior kind of gives little tidbits about that. Um, nothing too interesting that I found in that part of the appendix but then it's like how to apply these ideas to business it doesn't really say anything except um you can download 
this chapter that he has about it at atomichabits.com slash business or how to apply these ideas to parenting. You can download this chapter at atomichabits.com slash parenting. That's not my favorite thing, but it's clear that his newsletter is really important to him and that there's a lot of information that he probably wants to give the reader that they can kind of only find there. So not my favorite thing that he did, but I don't know. When I get a book, I just kind of want all the information to be in that book. I don't want to have to go to the outside sources. But that was basically a summary, the gist of all the chapters and Atomic Habits. I think if you are really kind of struggling and like kind of need a kickstart to getting these habits kind of figured out, then it could be beneficial to read. It took me about three days to read. And that was kind of just taking in chunks um, different aspects of the book. It was definitely a really easy read. It wasn't difficult by any means. And there are graphs and pictures to help you kind of visualize things overall. It's a good book, I think, that you can definitely summarize it down pretty quickly. But if you kind of want to remember things and kind of get things in your head, then definitely give it a read. So... That was Atomic Habits by James Clear. Thanks for listening.